whether it's when you're on stage or whether it's reading a book whether it's it's when you're doing yoga whether it's when you're running and you're just counting your breath as your your foot pounds the earth that's what we crave for we crave for things that make us feel like this is meditation like nothing else exists except this whether it's being in love or being with someone you love very much you know whether it's holding someone's hand whether it's looking at the stars when you lose track of time that it is in that timelessness that you you know meditation exists that 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 is where love exists this is malvika varadan and welcome to chapters of my life podcast i want you to imagine your past life <laughs> right where should i start imagine you need to write your life story in form of a book already it's a challenge right it's, it's uh, frankly it's not everyone has thought of this as we always think when we get older we should write about our life then but in fact we have so many experiences ready to share to others achievements failures to learn from positive and negative life transitions and if everyone asks what is actually this chapters of my life podcast it's these kind of stories it's an inspiring collection of life transitions packed into a podcast audiobook format capturing the willpower and belief of people during these important life-changing decisions. So we interview innovators, athletes, entrepreneurs, changemakers to give an insight into their past life from young age till today and maybe future untold plans. We're covering topics around sport, entrepreneurship, mindfulness, travel, nutrition, yoga, meditation and much more. Everything which leads to the present till today. Interviewed by me, Daniel Ludwig, and you can find me on social media at by Daniel Ludwig. Every person has a story worth sharing. Truly an inspiring guest on the Chapters of My Life podcast. I had Balvika Varadhan on the podcast mic. She is radio presenter of the morning show Breakfast Number no. 1 at City 1016 in Dubai. Her energy she brings into the room is addictive. In fact, that podcast talk is more than just sharing a life story. It's about inspiring others to create a dictionary full of words which express adventures and experiences in life to share with others. She chooses three chapters in her book In Search of Words. Each decade of her life is one chapter. Finding Words, Chapter 1, is about her childhood in Bangalore, India. Already at age three on stage, she loved to immerse herself into role plays and creating stories. In fact, it was all about storytelling, which continued at age seven when she joined a theatre class. Despite facing a difficult family situation with her father's health, she started to create this mindset of turning any negativity into a positive outcome. Yes, it's all about the mindset. Chapter two: Listening to stories. is all about finding the magic as she once said while being on stage art was definitely an area she was very interested but also performing but she eventually let her join a theater at age 19 invited for an audition for the radio channel in bangladore she got unexpectedly accepted and started as youngest radio moderator the night slots During this time, while covering international music during the show back in Bangladesh, she got an unexpected call from Dubai, together with a job offer as a radio presenter. Chapter 3: Telling Stories. Starts in her early 20s in Dubai. Open-minded as she is, she stepped into the unknown 
and started in a city she barely knew anyone. Over the last 10 years, she became a radio presenter at City 1016 Dubai Bollywood radio show, covering evening and no morning shows. She loves fitness and challenges, as she mentioned in her one a day fitness challenge, which she started publicly in 2016, she needs to be accountable for challenges to others, but also to be able to inspire others and to believe in them. In 2016, she highlighted an important topic, not just for introverts, but also for the society in general, the lack of interest in other people's life story. Throughout her TED talk, called Seven Ways to Make a Conversation with Anyone, she emphasizes the fact of the lack of knowing each other, the initial barrier of how to start basic conversations with people because our path on a daily basis. She once mentioned the time when you forget to check your phone is the time she wants to be in more often. All right, let's start this truly inspiring talk with Malvika Varadhan, a time I hope you're not gonna check your phone. <laughs> All right, here we go, enjoy. So, here we are. Thank you so much, Malvika, for coming. Thank you for having me, Daniel. Thank you. So, everyone who's listening right now, they don't know, it's actually Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Which is, in the UAE, kind of a weekend. weekend it's a morning. Sunday morning. It's a Sunday morning, <laughs> yeah. exactly. It's a Sunday morning on a Friday morning. It's a Sunday morning where usually people sleep in. Yeah, and um, thank you so much for coming actually in the morning to my place on a Sunday morning or thank on a Friday you. morning. <laughs> I'm very much of a morning person, so I'm glad that <laughs> we agree on that. <laughs> As a radio pres- presenter, actually, uh, starting very early in the morning at six a.m. Yeah, I think that's a very common. Yeah, yeah, morning. yeah. I wake up uh, by four thirty every single morning. So, and I have been for many, many years now. <laughs> Such a habit. Such a habit. So, Malika. So when I looked into um, when I thought about how could I start this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, this chapter of my life podcast, you know, I have in front of me someone about, is a radio presenter, you know, is doing it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, hmm, maybe I can learn something from you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can interview me. But then I looked into um, the TED Talk you had right. uh, two years ago. And I'm going to put this later also in the show notes. So the TED Talk was two years ago, and you had this TED Talk. The topic was seven ways to make a conversation with almost everyone. Yeah. And in the very end of that talk, you mentioned something very interesting. I'm going to quote this now, mm-hmm. if you allow me to do. Mm-hmm. A conversation is like reading a book. You can turn to any page you want. You can flip to your favorite chapter. You can read it as long as you want. You can read what you want. And every person, trust me, is a really good book. And it sadness me so much that entire woman lives a big boil down to 140 characters and catchy headlines. Because that's not what we are. We are not a bridge version. We are entire human beings, stories. We deserve more from each other. So what are you going to do in this world that we call the library? Mm-hmm. How many books do you have in your library? <laughs> I read a quote the other day that said, um, you know, your bookshelf should always be bigger than your TV. So I think it's pretty safe to say that I have a pretty Ooh. large bookshelf <laughs> and it's certainly bigger than my fairly big TV. <laughs> so it's a wall of my, uh, as, as you walk into my house, the first thing you see as you open the door is the bookshelf. Yeah. And it's, it's a wall, it's from ceiling to floor. 
We have all wow. the books piled up. And then, of course, for good measure, there are books lying around the house everywhere. So wherever you go, whether it's the kitchen or the living room or even the bathroom, you will find something to read. Yeah. <laughs> Always. But you're totally right, actually. Every person, and actually, you, this is all, actually, when I was listening to your TED Talk, this is all about the same kind of concept, you know? Everyone has a story to share. Absolutely. And everyone is a l walking library mm -hmm. in the end of the day. Uh, what was the last book or what is your current book you're reading? What's the current book I'm reading? Yeah. So um, there's a there's a series that's just out on Netflix called Sacred Games. Okay. Um, and it's by a very famous and very good Bollywood director. Yeah. Um, I started watching the series and I started doing research on where this series is from and it's It, it was based on a book written by a guy called Vikram Chandra. So I was so fascinated by the, the story that he had to tell in the, in the Netflix series that I decided to find his other stuff. And now I'm reading a book called Red Earth and Pouring Rain. I'm only about 4% in, but I really already like it. And before that, I was reading The 40 Rules of Love by Alif Shafak uh -huh. uh, about... Rumi's poetry and about this 40-something woman who uh, discovers Rumi's poetry through a letter that she, I mean, through, through a series of sort of interactions she has via yeah. letters with someone sitting halfway across the world. So you're more into fiction? Oh yeah, I'm Maybe definitely more. into fiction. I'm very much of a fiction reader. I find it quite hard to read non-fiction actually. <laughs> so are you the person um, to keep the books? to actually, you know, build the library? Oh, yes. Or I feel very possessive about my books. I like to buy them and stack them. Okay. And even if I've bought something uh, on, on my Kindle, I like to, I mean, if I really like the book, I like to have a hard copy. A Kindle is actually so useful, right? It Especially is. Especially when you travel. It is. The old library is here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> when you can carry five different books at the same time so you don't get stuck with one. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> really amazing. <laughs> oh, I mean, you actually currently, you know, when you are that type of person, you're reading two books at the same time. Oh, it's always. a big advantage. Always. And you keep a few of your favorites so that you can always go back and just read a couple of familiar chapters and feel like home and then go back to the new book. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Malvika, for, you know, you, you mentioned that in your TED Talk. Um, the goal for you on a daily basis, mm -hmm. the radio show, uh, City 1016, mm -hmm is in the f to put a smile on each person's face mm -hmm. for the first 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And when I heard this, this is like, okay, this is, it can be a challenge for many, but mm -hmm. you as a person, you, you are, have this positive attitude. You have this like natural kind of, you spread this excitement, happiness, which affects automatically everyone. <laughs> have you ever had a, a moment where it was really difficult to put a smile on a person's face in the morning? Yeah, um, there are always those times. I mean, there are times when you don't feel like you're really bringing your A-game when it comes to happiness to the table. You know, you're having a difficult day or you're going through a difficult time in life, but you still have to walk into the studio and, you know, um, make life seem exciting and happy and wonderful. So that's a challenge in itself. And then there are times when the world is going through tragedy and the world is going through, you know, a difficult time. And you still have to go out there and talk about entertainment and talk about happy things and good stories and exciting times ahead. So both these things are challenging, right? Both, both on a personal and a world level. Yeah. It's I think it can be also a challenge to... Um especially when you have had a bad day in the morning, mm -hmm. to motivate yourself. 
you know, when you feel like really this is not my morning, mm -hmm. but you have to bring this excitement to someone else. Yeah. You have to push yourself. You absolutely. You have to kick your ass, literally. It like really when you do you a morning do. sport, like a CrossFit kind of, you got to kick your ass. You just got to get up, lace up the sneakers, get yeah. out the door, get in the studio and something magical happens. I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels this way. A lot of people, I bet, I'm pretty sure in, uh, let's say, customer service or who work at hotels, or who, you know, do, do any of these kind of jobs where you need to always have a smile on your face, feel this way. Actors, for example, when I walk into the studio or when the mic comes on, suddenly everything else fades away. Yeah. In that moment, I am happy and I am excited and I am, you know, raring to go and I am feeling like inspiring others and bringing the world together. Having said that, once the mic goes off and once you close the studio door and walk out again, you do have to deal with real life and real problems. Yeah. But it's, you know, over years, it, it's almost like your, 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 your being knows that, okay, it's on air time, switch on, game face. It's like being in the flow, right? Yeah, you know absolutely. The term? Being in the flow, you switch off everything around you. Absolutely. You're wholly yeah. present in that moment. Totally. Yeah. So... Um, This podcast is all about turning your life story into a book. Mm -hmm. To know a little bit more who is actually the person behind, who is Malvika behind, who is that radio presenter where we hear every day <laughs> in the morning on in, uh, City 106 in Dubai. Um, I want you to imagine something. Mm -hmm. um, I want you to imagine you're going to your own library at home, mm -hmm. which you know very well. Um, or better, let's say you go, yeah, I don't know, do you have check? Um, sections in your library no no, no. <laughs> it's not like it's all haphazardly piled together okay okay let's imagine <laughs> much like my life okay <laughs> mixed together <laughs> yeah um let's imagine you go to a normal library um mm -hmm. and you're asking for your life book mm -hmm. what would you ask for what section would you go to first would it be um a section about motivational speaking would it be a radio presenting yeah. entertainment would it be What would it be? No, it would. I, I, I can't imagine my life as a non-fiction book. Um, it, it would have to be a story told. It would have to be a story of love and hope and happiness and um, growth. I think it would be, yeah, it would definitely be in the fiction section or a biography section. Fiction and biography section. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Um, so... You go there, you find in the shelf your book, mm -hmm. you grab it. You're going to talk a little bit later about the book cover and mm -hmm. the title, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, you open it. What would I see first? You'd see a nice little dedication. Like a thank you note. <laughs> yeah, dedication. I, I always like do that. Okay. Do you do that? Every time I pick up a new book, especially if it's a fiction book, I like to see who the, uh, the author dedicated the book to. And it's so always to these, well, yeah. to these, m these mystery names with these mystery words, and it's only four or five words, but sometimes it tells so much of a story, and I find that fascinating. It's almost like reading somebody's love letters, you know? Yeah. It's it's you want to know a little bit about the person who's telling the story, and I think that first page where they dedicate the book to someone. Interesting. It's not literally the biography you usually read in the end about the... Author. No, 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 It's not that part. Dedication. That's all, yeah, that's all beautifully curated and yes. they want to say thank you to their publishers and their friends and I read that too, but <laughs> I love reading the, the, that, 
that little bit of italics yeah. text. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, it, sometimes it's also just a word, you know, or two free words dedicated yeah. to my daughter. To my beloved, to, to beloved or something or like something. that. And it just tells you so much about the person yes. who is writing this book because at the end of the day, aren't all our actions about our intention? And when you set out to write a 300-page novel, you better have some great intentions in the beginning, right? Of course, yeah. Right? And, and who, who do you do what you do for? That fascinates me. Interesting. So how yeah. would your thank you note look like? dedication page mm. who do you think must so far it depends life? on when I'm writing this book right I guess if I'm going to be writing the book when I'm 60 I'm going to have a pretty <laughs> different looking list than what I have now but right now um, right now when you write your life book right now because usually you know actually that's interesting that you mentioned that when we talk about life book we're mm -hmm. thinking about yeah we are, we're going to be 60 70 80 mm -hmm. we went through the whole life and you know we just look back how would your life book look like right now? My dedication. Because that's actually interesting to think as well. You know, yeah. usually we think, ah, oh, 50 years, 100 years, whatever. How old are we going to be? Uh, then we have to look back in life. But actually when we look back now, how, now. who do what do you think? I now? think my dedication would be um, to he who helps me find my words. Okay. You know? Because my life, if I think about it, is a long search for words. Always finding the right words to say the right thing, the right words to tell a story. And I think each of us in our private spaces have those people who help us find words for what we are feeling or find words to describe the universe we live in. So... To those who help me find my words. Interesting. So yeah. That's very generic as well. Yeah. <laughs> that will be a little mysterious and everyone will wonder who these people are. So this is kind of a <laughs> teaser already of your, of your book. <laughs> yeah. It's not systematically. Actually, it's a teaser it's a to tease. go to the next chapter, yeah. uh, first chapter. Yeah. Interesting. So when you mentioned about, you know, someone who is helping you to find the right words, mm -hmm. did you struggle in your, in your childhood, in the past to find the right words sometimes? Um, I'm talking about a radio presenter. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've always enjoyed talking. Uh, my, my parents tell me that when I was a kid, so, you know, I, I used to spend a lot of time in my grandparents' house and it was a huge villa. It was one of these giant homes in Bangalore. Or maybe I was just really little. I don't know. <laughs> you know, when you're very when you're very tiny, any house seems really big. Yes. So it could be that. And or maybe it was really a big house. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I would spend many, many hours talking to myself. I would stand behind curtains and talk to myself endlessly. So I know that from a very young age, I have always enjoyed talking. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's just been something that I've loved. Of course, when you, actually, when you're talking to yourself as well, you respond you have the question and answer yeah, right? absolutely and you have all these characters built into you it's like you're you creating know. your own story <laughs> you're creating your own story yeah. as you go along yeah interesting um so my 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 first few i mean un until i was about until i could read i would talk to myself and yeah. then and then i started reading and then i read and read and read and i read through every book we had and every book in my school library and my dad's a publisher mm -hmm. or was a publisher at the time so i had access to these giant bookshelves in his office full of books and i would just read through all of them i'd go through sometimes two or three books in a day it was fascinating it was an amazing time i wasn't much of a child who enjoyed going out to play i didn't you know, like the other kids in my 
in my building in my colony yeah. i didn't really go out and play hide and seek and running and catching and sport i was very much of a book person into reading, into and, reading yeah. yeah so what kind of books did you read in your childhood oh plenty of fiction fiction okay um i i think i went through all of the mallory towers in like three months <laughs> really yeah and saint clairs and enid blyton and roald dahl i loved roald dahl i still do yes i still read roald dahl all the time yeah um i i read anything i could get my hands on um at the time in india my dad was involved with publishing indian authors in mm -hmm. english it was an interesting turning point in indian fiction okay. because there was this pub particular publishing house that was working on bringing indian authors you know to into print and mm -hmm. you know, getting more and more indian authors who wrote in english on bookshelves and so i read a lot of that i read draskin bond and, and rk narayan and so a lot of that fiction also found its way into my library interesting so when you look back actually in the very first few years mm -hmm. um, how do your parents remember you do they remember you as someone who is completely immersed in their books not be reachable you know you're oh, no, just no no i'm a funny kind of combination i was always an extrovert i enjoyed hanging out with people i loved being the center of attention i was dramatic and theatrical right from the beginning <laughs> <laughs> and loved the stage kind of what you need as a the attention yes. yeah and something what you actually kind of need for later on as well this kind of extra kind of you know feeling you need to reach out to people as yeah. well You mentioned one uh, in a TED talk that you love learning from other people. Mm -hmm. Love reaching out because you see in each conversation an opportunity to learn something new. Absolutely. Did you have this in the, in the, in the childhood or in this very young age also that mm. you reached out for because you were curious but also you wanted to find something out? Um I think that reaching out happened uh, through my process of reading. Yeah. I think what happens when you read a book is a, a piece of fiction whether as a child or as, as an adult you start to empathize with this character right you start to understand what this character is going through what does charlie feel like in that chocolate factory what did it feel like in his home what must it feel like to have a chewing gum that never stops loses its flavor so you actually turned that story into reality yeah in in my mind <laughs> i was the lead character in that book yes right and in any book i read in any series i watch in any film i'm exposed to one of the first things that happens to me is that i sort of find myself a little role in that play in that piece of fiction yeah and that helps you empathize right you you sort you sort of start to feel what the other character is feeling and that's such an important thing to teach young children so have you ever turned a book into a, a real scenario in your childhood when you were reading the book and you said okay how about turning this into an act into <laughs> a play with my friends or into like building it that building. happened that happened as i got to grade 6 uh, and 7 is when i found no actually a little earlier than that i think it was grade 5 when i found my first theater class and that was fascinating i remember that first day it was in a um, bookstore in bangalore called rnb restaurant and bookstore my dad took me for a theater class and i was too young to take the class because i think most of the students in the class were 13 and above and they were putting uh, midsummer night's dream on stage yeah. and i got to play little puck and i just i was so amazed that this could happen like you could take words and make them into people <laughs> that <laughs> that journey to me was like fascinating it was like opening a door wow. to to a whole new universe 
and that's when I fell in love with theater. So, age seven, age seven. Yeah, Around I must have seven. been about seven. You mentioned um, I found online that age three, that was the first time you were on stage as well. Yeah, <laughs> age three. That's very young. <laughs> you remember what you did on the very I do, first I do. time? Yeah, it was a poem called My Red Balloon, My Red Balloon, Why Did I Let You Go? And my one job was to let go of the red balloon, but I did not. Because <laughs> I was like, keep looking at me, guys. I'm the only one with a balloon. Are you looking at me? Are you looking at me now? <laughs> <laughs> so keeping the tensions, actually. Okay, should I do it now? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, building dramatic tension. <laughs> <laughs> um How was life back there um, in Bangalore? How was life um, for you? I mean, your parents put you on stage, put you in a theater, mm -hmm. role play. How was life there? How was life in a, How did you, when you look back now, how was life there? How would you describe it? Life, um, so there were two phases of my life in Bangalore. Uh, I spent the first 20 years of my life in Bangalore. Mm -hmm. It was 21 when I moved. I was 21 when I moved to Dubai. The first 10 years of my life were you know, full of books and this happy, wonderful family. My dad's a publisher, loved telling stories. I adore him and adored him back then. And I would wait for him to come home and I would sit on his lap and hear stories until I was too sleepy to hear them anymore. I'd fall asleep, wake up the next day and look forward to that same routine again. It was a, the most beautiful life nice. when I when I look back on it, you know. And Bangalore is such a wonderful city to live in. There were always... It was great weather, the trees everywhere, you know, you can't imagine a more lovely life. Um, when I was nine and a half, my dad had a stroke and uh, that was when he lost his ability to speak. And so for the first, um, I think almost a year and a half, I, we could barely get a yes and no out of him. Mm -hmm. So it was a difficult time. For so me as a child. It was more sign language. Was it no, no, no. There was no, it wasn't sign language. So because he had a stroke uh, and he sort of had the right side of his body paralyzed, see, okay. the left side of his brain also takes care of mm -hmm. forming sentences and finding the right word to express yourself. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of speech therapy to, mm -hmm. to sort of be able to find the right words. And we went through several speech therapists and uh, it, took quite a while and then he reconstructed his vocabulary word by word by word it was quite wow. fascinating it was a great journey to be a part of as a child yeah. it was almost like teaching a child language but um, imagine the child already has a vocabulary you're just helping them find the right word actually you have to dig deep into the library which already exists exactly open the book exactly the books already exist exactly just a little bit closed interesting how was that time for you when Your father were not able to speak for that. Uh, it's time. it's amazing, right? When you're a child, yeah. you don't think very much about trauma. You you know, as adults, we have a way of telling our stories, right? We say, "Oh, I'm going through a very difficult time. I'm going through a very painful, traumatic time." As a child, you are only going through a time. You you don't really see your days as happy and sad. You don't see your days as painful or struggling or traumatic. You just see it as a day. Yes. At that moment, you can say, okay, right now I'm feeling angry. Or you can say, right now I'm feeling sad. But you don't, you don't really have that perspective that adults do. To me, it was almost like having a new kind of adventure, an adventure that my classmates didn't have. Mm -hmm. Because like, I mean, I knew, I knew for sure that my life was very different at the time than everyone else in my class. That, you know, my family didn't quite look the same way as their families looked. 
um but i mean i had all this time i could spend with my dad because he didn't have to go to work yeah <laughs> and, and he was time actually, yeah, yeah and he was at home and you know here was someone who um couldn't move very much so he was kind of stuck listening to whatever stories i had to tell and that was great <laughs> so you become actually more the storyteller yeah i became the, the storyteller yeah actually, that becomes the other way around yeah. then actually because you mentioned when when he comes back after work every day you know he shared the stories with you yeah and at that time you actually started to share the stories with him exactly it's interesting yeah. and i found interesting new ways of telling my stories and getting him to react and um helping him find his words and you know we would create all these little workbooks it was like um, did you ever play teacher teacher as a child where you pretended to be a teacher and had a classroom full of students you could boss around not really no <laughs> i don't didn't really want to become a teacher <laughs> which i know kind of am but <laughs> <laughs> so that was the game i was playing okay. at home i was a, i it was like teacher, i was teacher. my own teacher and you know my dad was my student and we yeah. would create workbooks and we'd help him communicate and it was it was a great adventure it really was <laughs> my adventure my childhood was more about uh, getting on my bike and just cycle 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 <laughs> far away my mom is like oh my god where is he going <laughs> <laughs> literally escaping i was like always in escaping mode <laughs> escape 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 <laughs> run away <laughs> but it was an adventure you know going to a direction where you don't know uh what you don't know what you're going to find yeah. out yeah right? yeah you know when you just cycle in one direction and you go back and you try to get lost and you get exactly <laughs> trying to get lost literally yeah that's yeah. actually interesting and i think as kids we trying to get lost as well we trying to figure out but also we don't know what we're going to have in the very exactly yeah. so um How was the first few years in school for you? Um when you remember when you look back in the first few years in school. My first few years in school yeah. were great. I mean You li- like the school? Or oh yeah. Was it more like uh just get No, no, no. I and, uh, I loved school and I still do. I you know I'm very lucky. I always uh, think about this actually that um Some of my greatest strengths are mathematics and words. English and math are my favorite subjects. Interesting. And I last, last week I had someone also mathematics. Really? All about mathematics. Andrea Darabosh. And I'm so and I'm lucky because imagine if if I were judged on my sports skills or whether I was if I were judged on my spatial skills, I would be terrible at school. Thankfully, most of school life is based on whether you can frame sentences well and communicate well yes. and if you're good at math and science. So yes. thankfully I was good at both and I I really loved school. I loved learning. Yeah. I still do. I love studying, learning new things. I'm I loved exams and tests and So they kind of challenged you as well, right? Yeah. Do you wanted to prove yourself or is it more when you when you went at school and you mm-hmm. loved the exams? You'll, I I like I I like being challenges. challenged challenged and I like yeah. getting feedback and I like trying hard and I like being good at things and I think that's why I like school. <laughs> 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 I had like last week someone at uh, Darabosh um Andrea Darabosh she's uh-huh. a good friend of mine from London and she's um a lean coach right um I don't know if you're familiar with lean agile and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and she told me that she loved mathematics yeah. she loved it and even f- till her study years yeah but it was something behind it was more about um not just numbers it was about making sense of certain the lo- logic behind patterns yeah. logics and that yeah. actually can be transferred to any other parts of daily life absolutely yeah it comes to entrepreneurship and it comes to whatever anything music anything dance everything is exactly. maths right exactly yeah so yeah. that's in the end of the day that all comes down to the same point mm. um 
talking about the first chapter one, mm-hmm. where would you say is the first chapter one ending? Is it the very first few years? Um, no, I think... Childhood, is it going to the school or is it... You know, Daniel, when you called and you asked me about the chapters of life, yes. I was thinking about it. I was like, how, how would I divide I my life up <laughs> in <laughs> chapters? No, it's... And it's I've been difficult. thinking about it. It's difficult, right? It's I think I do it by decades, actually. Really? Yeah. Because I just realized when you, when you asked me that question, that the three decades... I'm, I'm 31 now, and so I'm on the beginning of my fourth decade. But I think that the three decades have been so different in my life because just like huge things have happened at th- those exact junctures. So zero to 10 was, you know, this wonderful life growing up. And then 10 was when my dad had a stroke and we moved homes and, you know, life changed quite dramatically. And then I got married at 21 and moved to Dubai. So that was the next 10 years of my life. Interesting. So the 10 year chapter. Kind yeah. Of it's like a 10 year chapter. Decades. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, how would you call it? How would you call the first chapter? So chapter zero to ten hmm. years old, uh, yeah. childhood, that experience with your father, um, and also this excitement of like you know reading books. This I think I'd call exploring. it. How would you summarize? Like it? finding words. Finding words. Yeah, because that's what you do, right? In the first ten years of your life, you're just basically finding the words that you're going to use for the rest of your life to tell your story and to tell everyone else's story. At that time, did you had a thought of what you want to become? Even at that young age, did you mm. always say, I want to become this, I want to become this? With I all reading the books, you know, being yeah. a role player, you said, I always wanted to become... I knew that I always wanted to be on stage or be in the limelight or be a communicator in some way. I think I always knew that. I think, and, and I think everyone around me kind of knew it too. I think my parents as well knew it. So I don't know whether... It's them seeing it that made me want it more, you know, okay. or whether it was just, that's just the way I'm hardwired. But being on a stage, I also give you the opportunity to express yourself. Absolutely. To be yourself. Yeah, to be yourself, yeah. to be to be seen, to be telling stories of yeah. your, your own and others. Did you find, when you look back, did you find your childhood or even teenage age, did you find that there was like this kind of society pressure that you have to be someone? Where okay. you kind of escaped on the stage that you can become someone else? No, I think yeah. I had, um, I, think, I, mean, I, I mean, I have incredible parents who sort of saw this spark in me and they saw me for who I was with my strengths, my weaknesses, you know, my talents. And they've always sort of encouraged me to just go out there and do whatever I wanted to do, but to just do it well and to work hard. That's amazing. Actually. And so I you never really felt, yeah, I never really felt that kind of pressure to yeah. to be someone I wasn't. Yeah. Although not from the society of No, the no, no, not at all. Not at all, actually. Perfect. Brilliant. Um, I think this is exactly that environment we need. Yeah. To, you know, to, 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 to grow. You just need someone to believe in you, you know. Exactly. You yeah. just need someone to be able to look you in the eye and honestly yeah. tell you that I really do think you can do it, you know. Yeah. And that is everything. I think I, I always keep mentioning that. I loved, um, as I mentioned before, like in the, before the podcast, I mentioned to you briefly, I came from the video and audio background mm-hmm. and I did some films as well in the short films. And what I really loved is working with young kids. Mm. And I keep mentioning that in the other podcasts is because they have this energy, you know, this energy where they still believe in themselves. And they're invincible. Totally, right? totally. And yeah. they, 
even the idea is the most craziest idea ever, and maybe we as adults say, okay, that might not work, but they still believe in them. They do. They and do. I think this is what we can learn from them as well. Yeah. This energy of yes, it's possible. Yes, it's possible, yeah. Let's try it at least. Yeah. And for the rest of our lives, we search for those moments, don't we? Like, whatever we do, we search for moments, whether it's, you know, as adults, we try skydiving and running marathons, playing sport and, you know, earning millions. But why? Why do we do all of that? It's to try and feel that invincible childlike energy again, to feel like nothing can get us down. Yeah. Like, anything is possible. Yeah. Like, look at us. Here we are, jumping out of a plane. Anything <laughs> is possible. You know, here I am with my billion-dollar industry because anything is possible yeah. we're chasing that moment we're chasing that feeling of being invincible through the rest of our lives this moment when you jump on the plane mm -hmm. or this having multi-million that takes a long time mm -hmm. but what we completely forget is that the time till we reach there Sometimes you need to get kicked in your ass, literally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, you know, how long does it take for you sometimes to make the decision, okay, I'm going to jump from the plane? Yeah. How long does it take to actually take the first step to build your startup? Yeah. And it's also with fitness as well. Sometimes we, I don't know, I might be wrong, but as adults, we might mm -hmm. need more, more, more time to yeah. make that final yeah. decision. You yeah. know, maybe we need even more people to say, okay, you've got to do it, push yourself. Yeah. Um, as kids... I have the feeling they don't think much about it. They just they go don't. for it. Yeah, they just yeah, jump into exactly. it. Exactly, right? they just do yeah. it. And I think yeah. this is like the, the exciting part of that. Yeah. And uh, to learn f something from them. Um, after 10 years, the next chapter. Uh-huh. Second decade. decade uh, from 10 to 20. Uh-huh. First few years in, in, in school. Tell me a little bit about your school life. How was You mentioned about mathematics. You yeah. loved, you know, also like... Um, um, less sport. Yeah. What you mentioned less, less sport. Less sport. Yeah. Um, but other subjects as well. How was your school life? Um, so, 10 to 20 was interesting because I went to a school where everybody was very studious and uh, everyone either turned into a doctor or an engineer. It was very much of a maths and science based education. Um, but I was very lucky because I found theatre. And I think in many ways, theater saved my life. Like it's, it gave me a voice. It helped me express myself. I mean, at the time, uh, because my dad was ill and because, you know, there were, there were all these struggles at home, there was, you know, coping with this new dynamic in the house because suddenly it didn't look like Goldilocks and Three Bears anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it didn't look like here's daddy's chair and mommy's chair and baby chair. Yes. Right? So understanding this new dynamic, understanding this new sort of hierarchy, this new structure at home, the new disabilities that entered our lives and the new things one had to deal with at the age of 11... Mm -hmm. Theatre gave me a place where I could go and be someone else and tell another story. And in that way, I think it like it opened up a whole new world for me. I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that I found theatre. Did you have the opportunity to play also in the school or was it external theatre? No, so theater? we had uh, we had a theatre class in school uh, where we do one hour of theatre a week. But then I signed up for all these extra classes on Saturdays and <laughs> so that I could go and and do this stuff and, you know, do, do all these theater exercises. And it really wasn't about staging a play at the end of the day. Yeah. Often now, um, over the last few years, I've been helping a friend teach theater in Dubai. 
and so often you know parents are sort of obsessing about what role their child is going to get in the final school production or the final class production and it's so irrelevant i feel like telling them sometimes that this is so irrelevant it doesn't matter how many lines you have on the final day yeah. whether you have the lead role or whether you're just a tree it the magic is is in the theater exercises the magic is in going there and pretending that you know um a piece of wood is a sword that's the magic that's the magic when you sit there and you do theater exercises for hours and you pretend and you and you build stories and you build this fantastical world with perfectly normal everyday things yes that's where the magic happens yes the stage and the final play and the applause is incidental and if we can only teach our children that in a world where everyone wants to grow up and become a youtube star i think we we can really do them some good yeah <laughs> you're talking about the magic which i love You both probably know the Courtyard Playhouse. Yes. Dubai. Yeah. You know they all emphasize on this um, improvisation, mm -hmm. being natural, yeah. literally on the spot. Yeah. And I think theatre is also some kind of balance between following the script mm -hmm. and being spontaneous and being in the flow. And being in the flow as well. Yeah. 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 I in so many things, right? Yeah. Surfing, yoga, um, so many things are about practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing and being wonderful. and then finally at that moment yeah. just letting go and letting the surf take you yeah that's that is magic it's 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 50% effort 50% effortlessness and in in everything we do we must strive to strike that balance of being perfectly prepared and yet letting the wind take us and i think it's it's that it is that perfect balance that we are constantly in search of you talk from my soul actually you know in school <laughs> actually in school i keep re i remember very well like you know in the school school education system mm -hmm. teach you to memorize things exactly then you go to the exam you put it on a paper yeah. and then you're forgetting it yeah but on a stage on a theater you learn to be spontaneous as well to yeah. react to the audience and you learn and like, so you you have to learn 400 pages of script and you have to learn it and learn it and learn it and learn it until such time that those words are in you like they're in your blood yes so that when you go on stage and when the lights come on and when the audience is there you can have no effort at all <laughs> it's it, it's almost as if the effort prepares you for the effortlessness and the effortlessness is because of the effort yes you know and it's it's only when you have that effort that you can have the effortlessness and if you don't have the effortlessness then all the effort is in waste Do you remember a panic moment you had on stage? A moment where it was so embarrassing, like more an embarrassing kind of moment you had <laughs> on stage where you completely forgot the script or you something fall down or something. Do you remember? Mm. Um, no, I mean school time when you were on in stage. In school time, let's see. Let me think about it actually. Um of all the plays that I did. Mm. Oh, you know, when I'm on stage, anything can happen, and, it and you don't like realize it. <laughs> it feels like this is awesome. <laughs> everything which mo mo <laughs> everything which went wrong was part of this. Oh, yeah, the game. <laughs> yeah. I, I've never not enjoyed a moment on stage. Even the biggest disasters, I've enjoyed. Ah, <laughs> because I was actually also in a theater class for uh -huh. one or two years, and I remember actually more more than the moments were. things went wrong like i forgot <laughs> the script in front of like 100 parents or yeah. you know the i forgot my 
my role. Mm-hmm. You know, I forgot to to jump into the into the, on, on stage at that right time. Um, but these are the moments you remember also sometimes. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why. So, so this is like this. You you laugh about it. You later. do. Yeah. It's yeah. not like so. Like ah, I don't want to talk. It's like, my dearest, dearest, dearest friend Jimmy uh, and I were doing a play together. There, it was a play called Wait Until Dark. Now the crucial part of that play is the door being locked. Except in one of the scenes, he, while he was locking the door, the handle just came off. Can you believe it? Which means the next half of the play is relevant if the door's open. So yeah. he actually went out in the middle of the play, in character, went and got some tools, hammers and nails and things, and fixed the door on stage in the play. Now, if that isn't magic, then wow, what is? Wow, that's right? improvisation one on one. At another level. <laughs> but you become so much more natural, right? Yeah. You don't follow the script. I have a, a friend of mine, a colleague, um, his name is Nasser, and he's part of the Courtyard Playhouse kind of uh, team mm-hmm. as well. And he, when I spoke with him about this podcast and interviewed him, he mentioned that book, he, his book called, if I remember well, Living Life Without a Script. Mm-hmm. And that's actually so powerful. Mm-hmm. That you, you know, when you don't follow a specific script, when you, become, when you can become yourself, mm-hmm. you are natural. Yeah. And you're so, I've got so much more energy. What a nice idea yeah, to live life, life without a script. Yeah, I think this is so important as well. Otherwise, yeah. you just follow other people's you know, thoughts. Um, how long were you in school? What, till what age? How, how is the education system? So in Bangalore, um, I was in school till I was 15. 15. So you start at the age of three, I think. And then you go on mm-hmm. till 15. So you finish 10th grade. Then I moved into college. So I did my 11th and 12th grade, or what we call 11th and 12th here in the UAE. I did it as pre-university in, in college and then three years of graduate degree. So that's what my college life was like. Till age 15? Uh, no, till 15 school, I was in school, school, and then, and then 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 was college. College. And I graduated at, well, I think on the verge of 21. 21, which yeah. is kind of the beginning of the third chapter then yeah <laughs> exactly so when you see the the second chapter now from age 10 to 20 mm-hmm. um what other le- leisure activities did you do besides the school i mean you played a lot on the stage yes i did uh, a lot, lot of theater a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot was of this theater. actually part of the everyday curriculum, curriculum? no no, it wasn't. Some of it was. In yeah. school, some of it was part of the curriculum. Then I f- went out and found other theater groups that were, you know, doing work. Um, I pretended to be older so that I could get into theater groups. <laughs> you know, uh, What's I your would, technique to, pre- to pretend? To you know, I, always, I always seemed older than I was. It was one of my, my special magic powers. <laughs> so um, I did a lot of theater with, with theater groups in Bangalore. And yeah, I mean, I spent most of those 10 years waiting for whatever else was <laughs> happening to get over so I could go for rehearsal. I see. Yeah. You, at that time, did you wish to become an actor? or? I did, I did. I did. But it, it, like you worked towards it uh, mm, in college as well? I did want to become an actor. Yeah. I think it was <clears> in my 11th and 12th grade that I sort of really thought about the possibility of going abroad to study theater and, you know, joining a theater school. But at the time... It just seemed impossible because there was no way my family was going to be able to afford to send me to New York to learn of all things theater, which may or may never pay the bills. Yes. <laughs> so um, I just decided to, you know, follow arts and, and study communication and economics and things like that. And as I grew older and older, I thought about maybe joining television, uh, not as an actress, but, you know, maybe 
reporting, writing. So behind the scene, literally, not in front of the camera. In front of the, in front of the camera, awesome. uh, definitely, but but uh, not necessarily as a you know acting a part. I see. Okay. You know, so more a, documenting. Yeah, documenting. Yeah, being stars. being a news presenter. I don't know. Yeah. I had all these ideas of things I could do, and yeah. then radio happened, which was. Amazing. <laughs> We're going to that in a, in a bit. Um, how would you summarize this second chapter? The mm. second chapter where you actually kind of, you know, grow into the into a life on stage. Yeah. How um, would you summarize that? How would I summarize it? So if my first 10 years was spent finding words. Finding words. Um, I think the next 10 years was spent listening to stories. Just because the yeah, because that's what I was doing, right? Yeah. Whether whether it was on stage or whether it was, you know, going to college, meeting all these new people, getting introduced to these new circles, I was constantly going to places that would help me find stories, mm -hmm. and I was just listening. I was just absorbing every story I could find around me. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's all about words and stories. It's all about words <laughs> and stories. <laughs> always. Um, age twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Another. Another chapter. Another chapter. Yeah. And you mentioned that before. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit more. So What it was a little before 20, actually, is okay. when, uh, when I was 19, I got into theater. So, okay. uh, sorry, got into radio. I had a few jobs before that. Um, I was writing for a newspaper. I was helping a PhD student do some research. I was working with a communication, uh, with, a, with an education startup. I was doing all these things alongside college yes and then a friend of mine told me that a radio station was looking for presenters and I decided to go in for an audition and I did the audition and then I got the job and straightforward straight yeah it was What's the first it attempt? was pretty straightforward okay. yeah it was the first <laughs> attempt it was the first attempt I just went in there did an audition left went on holiday. I remember I was in Singapore with my aunt when I got a call from the radio station saying, hey, we were thinking of hiring you. Would you like to fly back? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's how it happened. Interesting. You flew back. And I flew back to Bangalore mm -hmm. and I started doing the late night show, which was the 9 to 12, 9 p.m. to 12 midnight slot. And I was the youngest radio presenter in the city And I was the youngest person on the team. And every time I said, I'm just 19 years old, everybody's eyebrows would raise like, what, you're just 19? I really enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising them, literally, yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm only 19. <laughs> yeah. uh, late night show. The late night show, Late yeah. night show, 9 to 12. So... I assume this was more like a local radio station? Or was it was it a local radio station. And yeah. at the time in Bangalore, I think there were only two or three radio stations. Okay. And this was the biggest um, station that there was in the city. So it was really, I landed quite a dream job. So when you say the biggest? In uh, terms of listenership terms of and listenership, popularity. How many listeners were I don't know, there? actually. Good question. I've never thought about it. I think that those were the days before ratings came along. So I wasn't oh. sure of the exact number. Plus, I didn't particularly care at the time. Mm, must have been a few million for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a big city. Big city, yeah. yeah. Big city. <laughs> um, what was your role in this late night show? It Because was, you're right now, you're in the morning show. Yeah, right completely now. Different completely area. different area. Yeah. In the morning, you more wake up the people. Yeah. In the evening, what, is, what, what, did you, what was your role? What was your um, um, so aim for? 
it was mostly a lot about music uh, i i was given the freedom to create my own playlists which as a radio presenter you don't often get the chance to do um on more prime time slots um mine was an international music show so that, that means i played english music on a predominantly bollywood radio station so mine was the only slot that played english music therefore i got to choose my own songs and that was amazing i could like create the mood for the city it was quite nice you know it was like creating a soundtrack to a city so putting your own playlist on the city literally yeah, everything yeah really what is your playlist so um, playlist of course it was a lot time. of pop it was a lot of uh, alternative rock yeah. it was you know all these nice slow sort of you you can imagine it it was mid 2000s mid 2000s yeah what There was Tell a lot me, of great what, what, music out there. There was John me, John Mayer had just oh, launched yes. onto the scene and and uh I think Adele had just done, you know, Chasing Pavements. There were all these news, you know, these these wonderful new kinds of music emerging into the yeah. popular world. So it was nice. It was it was a great power to be able to you know make music popular yes did you also play music from the 90s yeah More of like course back, back yes actually. absolutely played a lot of music from the 90s played a lot of music from the early 2000s it was nice it was it was great fun are you more uh, what kind of music listener are you are more a like 90s listener or are you more like classic uh, music listener oh no no I, i definitely don't listen to classical music a lot but um I think lately I've been listening to a lot of Bollywood music simply because of work and I've found a certain genre of music within that that I like and in those years of course I was really into the alternative rock and yeah. late 90s stuff yeah <laughs> So in the evening you put literally the playlist over the city yeah. your personal playlist what did you do during the day did I went to college in college yeah no. so i'd go to i'd, I'd make it to college at nine o'clock in the morning uh we'd be done by four okay. then i would try to go squeeze in a rehearsal or do a play or something like that on the side uh and then by eight o'clock i'd head to the radio station put my playlist together and start my show at nine and finish the show at 12 and go back home and get six hours of sleep if i was lucky yeah. and then get back to college in the morning so it was a full day A full day a kind full of a routine day. how yeah. long was this routine uh um this happened for a good two years i think two years even yeah. show and then college yeah, yeah. you mentioned 24 uh, 21 21 I, when i moved to dubai moved to dubai yeah. yes that's when i got a call from a radio station here city 1016 and they said would you be interested in moving to dubai and i thought yeah why not have you been in dubai before no first time yeah first time first time can you believe it and it was so strange how was your first You probably remember the very f- the first day you arrived here. Oh, I remember the first day. Yeah. How did you remember how did you when you got the call mm-hmm. about Dubai? What did you thought of Dubai at that time? When you, you never know? been in Dubai? Because you, sometimes you see that on the media yeah. what is Dubai, you know, like you see pictures. Sometimes they think about that. It's like imagine if somebody called me from Papua New Guinea tomorrow morning and said, "Hey, would you come do a radio show here?" <laughs> at 31, you have a lot more questions and you have a lot more uh apprehensions and is a lot more you want to sort of have answered before you take a risk. Yeah. At 21 I didn't have any of those questions. I just jumped into it. It's like what we were talking about, you yeah. know, how kids just believe yeah. and you think you're invincible and you always believe that everything will work out because of course it has to. Yes. You're like so optimistic about life. Yeah. I knew nothing about the city. Yeah. I knew nothing about the city. But maybe that was the exciting part as well. Yeah. yeah. And I got a call from this uh, programming director who said would you like to move to Dubai and I I said yeah why not and that's it. Oh. 
and it wasn't even for a prime time slot so i was moving from doing the breakfast show at the time in in india i had just moved on to the breakfast slot i see okay and uh, the station here was offering me a weekend morning slot which is it's like the algae of the pond <laughs> you know <laughs> in terms of in terms of ratings like that's the time when nobody's listening <laughs> you're lucky if two people are tuned in on a friday morning in dubai but that's the show i was doing <laughs> but it was a good start you know i mean it's a great way to kick start <laughs> it was a great way to kick start you know no one can blame you or whatever it's like <laughs> i have my radio show in dubai no one is listening that's true but it's even the bosses weren't tuned in i don't think anybody cared <laughs> <laughs> so did you feel that you were left something behind in India? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I, you know when you had all your friends families yeah. in India you had your friends with on the stage etc. moved directly to Dubai. Yeah, I moved What to Dubai you? and I think the thing I miss the most is really rain and trees. Isn't that oh, funny? I, I tell tell you about tell me about it. <laughs> I miss it. I miss it. I miss it. I miss it so much, and I can't explain to people sometimes how much I miss it. It's like the people I can Skype, you know, yes. and I can talk to, and my parents will call me every day, and I keep in touch with my friends, and those are, and I made new friends, but the trees and the rain, I miss that. I miss it. I miss it. I miss the wind on my face, and I miss that. I miss that beautiful Bangalore smell of earth. So Bangalore has full of is full of forests or is full of uh, it's not greenery full of forests. Forest, that would greenery. be pushing it. <laughs> But when I, at least when I was growing over the last 10 years yeah. of course a lot more pollution, a lot more traffic and yes. things like that. But it's a green city. It's a green city. It's a green city. Um, and I grew up in one of the greenest parts of the city. Oh. And you know it's beautiful to see the jacaranda in bloom, you know to to ride your bicycle down a street which that's paved with beautiful purple flowers yeah. and i miss that feeling of trees that were just that that are there and have been there so long longer than any of us yes you know i miss that yeah how was the um I mean the weather obviously the weather is the weather how is the weather The weather in Bangalore is very English. It's very English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> raining cold it's, or it's, raining hot? No, it's not hot either. Not it's hot. always really? a pleasant 18 20 22. That's actually not that's quite nice. 25. Yeah. It's like when Dubai is going through its winter. Okay. Yeah, that kind of weather. That must be. It's always nice and pleasant. Yeah, uh, I did. To Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I moved from the UK I was in between like in Berlin but then to Dubai. Mm. Actually, when you live in UK or you know, you see that there is, yes, the temperature is one thing, but when you don't see sunshine, mm. it's another story. <laughs> but when you have too much sunshine, it's yeah, another story it's as another well. Story. You know? yeah. So, how was for you the transition to Dubai when it comes to weather, when it comes to location? Did you felt being homesick, or did you felt how was it? You know, the homesickness only creep crept in after a few years. I think the first yeah. few years was so exciting to be building this new life in a new city. a new job new friends um new everything a new new life altogether like that looked nothing like my old life yeah. that was very exciting yeah. and things moved and changed rapidly at work i started out on the weekend morning slot in a few months i was doing the week and a night slot then i moved to weeknights which is 9 to 12 um okay. on weekdays and then i moved to breakfast and So, you know, there was a lot of this change happening. There was a lot of excitement in the air at the time because of these new opportunities and 
things that were changing at I mean, work. Yeah, we're talking about a time where also Dubai grow. Exactly. On a daily basis. Literally On a daily basis. Of people coming over here. Bush Khalifa, 2006. Absolutely. That was the time where Dubai been in the news. Uh, the Dubai Metro, Metro yeah. came up. Yeah. Uh, the Burj Khalifa was unveiled when I was in the city. Yeah. You know, the Atlantis was born when I was in this when I just moved to the city. So there was a lot going on in the city, <coughs> and and to just watch it, like, you know, it it felt like being in in a wonderland sometimes because you would just look up at the sky and you couldn't imagine the pace at which yeah. this world around you was changing it was like a hyperlapse video in real time yeah <laughs> yeah literally every time i'm coming back if i'm like for one week away yeah every time i'm coming back i see dubai in a completely different eye yeah it's, it's so fast changing it's unbelievable it is i never experienced something like this before yeah. dubai is changing so fast Actually, you have to take pictures on a daily basis to memorize <laughs> what happened yesterday. Ah, I remember the road looked like this yesterday. Yeah. It's really interesting to see. It is. You it not is. have that in other cities, but it's interesting to ex you know, experience. experience. It's almost like you're living in a sci-fi city. Yeah, it's exactly. almost unreal. It looks like yes. it's it's out of a film. It couldn't be real, right? Yeah. Because there, there are no boundaries to what you can do. There is no there is no limit to to the resources that will be made available to you if you should have a dream. And that's, I think that's what Dubai gives you. It gives you this blank canvas. Blank ca canvas where you yeah. write everything on you, it. You like, dream draw. as big as you want to dream and yes. this city will make it happen. Yes. You know? And this kind of gives you the energy as well to make something happen. Yeah. Out and of the blue. Anything can anything, happen in yes. the city. Anything can happen if yeah. you just risk it. Yeah. If you just if you just say, okay, cool, here's what I want to do, and you put it out there, it feels like anything could happen. And you yeah. hear such amazing stories of people who have built such empires out of nothing. Yeah. Very first three years here, being mm -hmm. here in Dubai, what was your aim? What was your dream? You started in radio station. Uh -huh. Did you want to transform something here when it comes to the radio network? Did you have a specific goal? You know, I wanted to, um, I think my goal in the first couple of years was to be myself. Interesting. Because I didn't sound very much like everybody else on the radio at the time. I was a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a misfit almost on the radio station, simply because Hindi is not the language that I think in. Okay. Um, and most other people, you know, on, on my radio station think in Hindi, they they construct this, they dream in Hindi, mm -hmm. but I don't. And I didn't come from a Bollywood loving family. Yeah. So I brought a different perspective to the station. And I think uh, even as, as a city, I brought a different perspective to the city. I came from a different kind of mindset and I really clung on to that. And I was determined to be myself and to, to bring my perspective to the table rather than try and become everybody else who was in the city. Was it difficult for you at the first few years to be yourself? In a, no, in a, it was a city which is transforming on a daily basis. Or? I don't really see any part of my life as, a, you know, as being difficult. It wasn't difficult, but it was yeah. interesting. It was an interesting place to be. It was interesting to see people's reactions to this new voice and this new personality yeah. and this new sensibility that was being introduced to them on radio. Yeah, that didn't sound like anything that they had heard before. Yeah. So you said in twenty one H you uh -huh. moved to Dubai. Yeah. It's almost half of your life. You lived here in Dubai. Oh my God, I just realized that. Ten years, huh? No, it's I feel terrible of mentioning it. <laughs> half of your life, actually, yeah. Twenty Ten years. years. 
no 10 years in dubai 10 10 years yeah 10 years in dubai i'm now 31 okay, so years, i yeah. just got my 10 year long yeah, service actually, yeah, award yeah. like a couple of months ago <laughs> i was like wow i already have a long service award maybe i should be worried <laughs> <laughs> so tell me <laughs> i mean 10 years can feel like ages as well yeah 10 years is a long time you know um did you have the intention to stay here so no what no no my intention when i moved that here was that was straightforward though it was i'm going to move here for a year i'm going to make a ton of money um i'm going to you know have this international radio station on my cv i'm going to go back home yeah. that was my intention but somehow this city had a different plan for me so what plan did the city had for you and this city oh my god it has given me more than i could ever dream of having in bangalore yeah. in in some aspects right yeah. work wise the technology i work with the exposure the kind of events and people the scale of things that i've been exposed to here it's i mean it's dubai scale it's yeah. dubai size yeah. you know they say live life king size yes. they should say live life dubai size everything yes. is bigger than <laughs> and better and faster and stronger yes yeah. and even so when you go like the louvre in abu dhabi mm. you know being built you see that here as well but even more in a bigger <laughs> dimension as well and everything everything you see like it's in a in a more bigger kind of dimension yeah it's and fantastic imagine you know like this imaginary okay i could not have imagined couple of years later you see it you see it yeah and that's kind of gives you the energy as well to say okay it's possible yeah it's possible it's actually possible yeah it just takes time it's possible yeah so you mentioned about um 21 years old you got married mm-hmm. and then you moved to dubai i moved to dubai yeah how was the first few years here in a in a environment where you didn't know and you did know some people here right i Or didn't know anybody anyone no, no i didn't know anybody so i didn't have a single friend in dubai how difficult or easy was it for you with your openness approach you have this extra word kind of approach to find people <laughs> like-minded people i was very lucky to ha- to work with some very nice people so yeah. i found a few friends at work okay who really became part of my everyday uh, and then again i found theater and that's where i found my core group my core circle so um it was a few months into i think i moved here in 2008 and it was early 2009 that i discovered a small theater group called theatrics that was operating out of a friend's home very close to where i lived and i went for my first audition and i was so thankful that i found theater again and like you know theater became my life raft here again yes you know it was amazing i found friends and i found purpose and i found stage and it was feeling fascinating feeling like home as well feeling right? like home stages for you at home yeah Yeah, I can see. These like-minded people, yeah, you know, who who weren't about shopping in the most expensive parts of the mall. <laughs> and these these wonderful people who were just all about the craft and who put their daily troubles aside to come here and invest themselves in a script and yes, you know. It's a big contrast as well. You know when you compare like, you know, the Cordia Playhouse for example, it's mm-hmm. such a different world. When you go there, it's a, it's a theater where improvisation techniques mm-hmm. actually on the forefront. Mm-hmm. But you see people it's it's kind of a little world which yeah. you not expect in Dubai. Yeah. A tiny little kind of house. You know why? And that's amazing to see. When the first time I was there I was like, oh, I would not have expected that. Mm. In Dubai. And there are these little like, pockets there there are these small pockets of culture around the city um where this this magical stuff happens and the the great thing about stage right is that it's an equalizer yeah. 
it doesn't matter what kind of car you drive or what handbag you carry or whether you're rich or poor whether you live in a seven bedroom villa or a studio apartment when you walk into a space where you do theater when you walk into a, when you walk on stage you are no more the sum total of your all the things you have you are simply your character and all you have are your words and your emotions and your ability to tell that story and and that is why theater is such an equalizer and it takes a lot of it takes a lot of courage to do theater because you don't have any of the crutches that you have in the outside world in the outside world i can say oh look i i i look like this and i dress yeah. like this and i drive this and i own this but i when i walk into that room with my friends in theater i am none of those things i'm not my car i'm not my house i'm not my wealth i'm not my reputation i am only malvika with a script because in the end and correct me if i'm wrong mm -hmm. everything you have all the belongings you have might can taken away yeah exactly as well exactly so everything you have on the stage is yourself is yours and it's honest and it's yeah, yeah. it's so funny that we are telling a big well, lie but yes yet it's the most honest place to be that's one of the most beautiful contradictions in theater what are we doing there all yeah. of us we, we we go into that room and we tell a big lie don't we we tell a big story and we dress this lie up with stage and light and costumes but really these are the most honest connections you'll yeah. ever find because you look into a co-actor's eyes and you see honesty and that's the honesty that we chase yeah and that's you very know? rare nowadays and it's and it's so rare it's so rare yeah um you know when i looked online um i watched some video clips on youtube about mm -hmm. city 1016 and one thing i thought of when i saw you were like talking on the radio Sometimes I saw actually most of the time I saw you standing. Yeah. <laughs> are you stand are you more standing person or a sitting person? Because right now you're sitting. <laughs> are you standing? It depends on the kind of conversation you're having. <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, or no. did it uh, did it change in the first few years when you were here? Did you like experiments or what, no, what no, person it, are you it really standing depends. or sitting? It really depends on the kind of interview you're doing number one, but also you probably saw the standing interviews because that's the way the cameras are set up. You just get a better angle Most probably, if you yes. stand. <laughs> yeah, that's all. It's, it's, I mean, I could have the same conversation sitting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um you changed different time slots from the evening to the morning to Yeah. How were that different when it comes to like the setup when it comes to like the, the energy level you had? Did you had did you during the first few years did you started to because you said you uh, you want to be, be more yourself as mm -hmm. well. Did you aim to find your own role in this as well? Do you feel Mal Malvika this is Malvika. This is who I am stand for. This is who I am even in the evening or in the morning. That's you know some specific yeah, characteristics I mean which can be kind of transferred. See you are the same person you're the same person you do the same kind of content you tell the same kind of stories yeah. you just tell it a little differently at different times of the day yeah. okay so it it's very much like um how do i put this it's it's like it's like you know having a conversation with you right daniel if i if i spoke to you at 11:30 in the night there would be a different pace and the en yes. the energy of the conversation would be very different okay. when you wake me up in the morning and i've just had my cup of coffee and i met you downstairs in the lobby there was a different energy about me because i'm yes you know we're both just fresh out of yes coffee and breakfast and we're ready and raring to go so essentially the conversation is the same it's just the energy with which it's delivered yeah. that's a little different the pace yeah. at which the rhythm of the conversation is different yeah you started a 100 day fitness challenge mm -hmm. 
100 day was, right? 100 day challenge, yeah. And uh, I, when I read online, it was like this kind of self kind of motivation. Yeah. In the first few years, yeah. you mentioned that, yeah. you know, you were sitting a lot or you were like working <laughs> and then you kind of, you know, wanted, you went to the gym, you went for CrossFit, etc. Yeah. All didn't help. Yeah. Till you started your own kind of challenge. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about this? Because it's interesting that you started your own challenge uh -huh. in order to make, you know, you make fitness a part of my life, part of your life, instead yeah. of, you know, seeing gym as kind of a external kind of impulse. I found that, um, you know, I, I, and I tried different things and I tried going to the gym and I tried running and I tried yoga and I tried, you know, dieting and I tried cutting carbs and doing all the stuff that people do when they, when they think they've put on too much weight. Yeah. And I found that my number one problem was consistency, that I wasn't able to be consistent at anything. And, you know, I just needed to get myself into a routine and to build a habit. So I thought, why not use social media? which is, you know, one of the tools that I have at my disposal to keep, keep a check on myself, number one, and to document this 100-day journey and to see whether it really does change you. I mean, if you did something for 100 days, would it become a part of your DNA? I thought I'd try a little experiment. And a lot changed for me in those 100 days. So what did you do in this 100 days? So... I um, I mean, I would do all kinds of things. I tried <laughs> running and swimming. and I tried eating different foods and I tried incorporating different things into yeah. my diet and I tried dancing. And so, but every day was it a different kind of sport or was it more sometimes it was Sometimes it was the same thing okay. for a while. Sometimes it was different stuff. But what I realized is that much like a gratitude journal or much like journaling itself, I mean, journaling as, a, as an act, yeah, um, sort of makes you aware of what you're doing in the day, right? If you were to write down wh whatever your goal is, let's say I want to build a new business or let's say I want to spend more time with my family or let's say my goal is to, you know, um, build some kind of community um, project. Yeah. If just, just the simple act of journaling, the simple act of sitting down at the end of every day and saying, okay, here is what I did. Here is that tiny little way in which I'm better today than I was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Here's my one act, my one thing that I did right. I think that builds something fantastic within you. It gives you confidence. It gives you confidence. Yeah. It lets you know that you are on this journey, no matter how small that step might be that you take. Yeah. You're on a journey and you're moving forward. Yeah. You know, And it might seem like a tiny little step. And even that failure is a step. Yeah. Even the day you didn't go to the gym and even the day you just caved and even the day you just simply couldn't get yourself off the couch, even that's a step because you journaled it and you, you, you took stock of it and you put it into your account books and you said, okay, here you go. This is a debit. I better double the credit tomorrow so that I'm on, you know, at a good pace. 100 days. What did you do in this 100 days? 100 days? 100 Sounds days. like 100 days without a break. <laughs> it's like, okay, every day, literally, you have to do something. Yeah, every day you have to do something and you'll be surprised you actually do a lot every day. So did you have a systematic, did you have a plan in mind? No. Or was it more spontaneous? Today no, I'm going I just, to go for a run. Tomorrow I'm going to go for a yeah. swim. And tomorrow, yeah. I, as I feel like in the morning. Exactly. Really? Yeah. That's it was just It was wow. just that spontaneous. I mean, I, I had many friends who joined me on that um, journey. And so some plans would be made based on uh, the weather's great, let's go for a swim or... Some days it would be, you know, running. Some days it would be based on a schedule. Like, let's say I couldn't make it to the gym. So, you know, late night, just tie up those sneakers and 
<laughs> keep going you know get get to a park so i'd find something or the other to do but i just do something every day are you more personable um because when you say this is very spontaneous and mm -hmm. you're more like in the morning you decide on the spot yeah because that is then you know where you're really going to do it mm -hmm. are you less of a person who follow a specific training plan to say okay let's have a training plan where you know you have to do that in one month you have yeah. to do that in two months yeah are you less that person who would then follow that kind of plan or more turn this into a spontaneous kind of decision every on the day, day yeah thing Uh, no, you know what I've realized, and I realized this quite recently actually, that uh, I'm best, I work best when I'm accountable to someone. Like if I have to do stuff on my own, I find it a little harder to do. But if I know that I have someone waiting for me, whether that's a friend or a trainer or, you know, a co-host or anything, anyone, if, you know, people waiting to see what I would have done today. As as long as I know that I'm accountable to somebody else, I'll never let them down. Yeah. But if it's just me, then I'm like, yeah, it's okay, it's just you. <laughs> But that's it. also why you actually <laughs> shared that on social media. Exactly, right? right? To exactly. be more accountable, not just to one or two people, but yeah. actually do it all together. To be accountable to a community and yeah. to, be the pe to be the person that someone else is accountable to yeah. as well. Yeah. So how did you feel after this 100 days? Oh, did you feel like, I'm going to do another 100? And no. I'm going to do 1,000. <laughs> and I'm going to 1 million. And you know what? I do a lifetime project. <laughs> um, no. On day 101, I went out and ate as much no. as I could possibly eat. <laughs> <laughs> that was the beginning of the 100 eating day challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be so good. That would be I actually really funny, right? I should do a 100-day right? eating challenge. And then followed by a 100-day kind of, I don't know, whatever, fitness <laughs> challenge. Another 100-day eating challenge. You're the one who does triathlons. I don't think I should do an eating challenge. <laughs> um The 100-day whatever challenge. <laughs> no, you know what? It felt good to inspire other people. I didn't realize that, yeah. you know, I had a voice that could inspire. Yeah. I think uh, after 100 healthy days was the time that I realized that, wow, like I could really impact people. Like I have a voice and people are listening and I can say things that can change people's day. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I realized that with, you mentioned triathlons. For me, I mean, I started last year triathlons. I'm mm. more of like a running person, long distance. But I don't know, for me, it's more about not proving myself that I can, I can do it, that how I feel during mm. and after. Mm. That I say, okay, I set the plan. Maybe it's a very German thing. I don't know. Don't go wrong. <laughs> wrong. The German plan. Plan, 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 plan. But then, you know, like beginning of this year, I said, okay, I'm going to do free triathlons this okay. year. I already did two. Accountable for myself. Yeah. yeah. That I say, okay, I set my goal. Yeah. I can do that. And then I, I learned that I can, yes, I can do that. If I cannot do that, mm -hmm. what can I do in order to improve it? Yeah. So like kind of self-awareness as yeah. well. Yeah. So that's what I usually do it more. If that's it's amazing. or any other sport, that you actually see, okay, this is not what it works for you. Yeah. What can you do in order to change to that? To change that. Because sometimes we are so angry. Oh, I can't do that. I'm, you know, I can, cannot fix that. Mm. But then actually think about what can you do in order to make it happen. And you make it happen. And then sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's like for everyone else as well. Then, but you can then transfer this energy to someone else to say, yeah. I believe in you because, yes, I believe that you can make, make this happen. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the best personal time or whatever. Yeah. Just, just do it. Just, just do it. it. Do it, you yeah. know. <laughs> just do it. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't care about the free. Just do it. At least you survive. That's yeah. the most important part. Yeah, just survive. Yeah. Just make it to the end. Make it to the end, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
what was the feedback of this 100 days challenge? Because I saw that on, on, on social media, I saw that on YouTube, a few videos. Yeah. Did you receive some feedback from other people? Yeah. So, okay, sh let's do it together afterwards again, yeah. or we join a club or whatever. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot of people reached out after that to say that they were inspired. Um, some of them went through it with the, their own 100 days. There were a few companies that got in touch and said, hey, let's, let's collaborate. Let's make this part of our corporate plan. Like, as part of our human resources plan, there were, it was really mind blowing. It really was. It was fascinating to see that you could inspire people. Yeah. You don't realize sometimes that you don't need much. I mean, everybody has a social media account. Everybody's on Facebook. Yeah. Everyone's got an Instagram handle. But you don't realize what you can really do with that until you, you take up a project like this and you realize that, you know, here's my voice. Here's my little billboard in this crazy world out there. And here's what I can put on it to make someone else's day just a little bit better yeah you know and and impact some kind of positive change that will then snowball into something else and something else and something else and something else you know and that you you create you you created that that little bit of trust in in pushing something amazing forward in someone that's yeah in someone else life. yeah in people's yeah. lives and in the world yeah. around you You stayed active afterwards as well. You yeah. continued doing yoga, other fitness. Tell yeah. me a little bit more. What did you do afterwards? I found yeah. yoga last year. I mean, I, I've sort of been dabbling in yoga for a while. Right? Okay. I, I did a few classes and like every everybody else who went to a yoga class, I, you know, tried to focus on becoming more flexible and stretching more and all of that. But uh, it was during my yoga teacher training that I took up last year that I really... I found that yoga, th that what yoga believes in resonated so deeply within me. This, this understanding of what, what is yoga after all? It is mindfulness. It's being aware. It's focusing on your breath. It's on, it's being able to control the way you breathe through whatever situation it is that you're going through, whether you're having an argument or whether you're running a marathon, mm. that your breath should be in your control and that you should be aware of your breath is such a powerful thought just being able to watch your lungs function mm. something so small and so simple and so beautiful really fascinating actually it's all about monotasking as well right you're doing one task at a time and just listening to your breath yeah um how difficult was it for you to come back to that to the moment to say okay i'm listening to my breathing i'm listening to t i just do one task at a time It's not easy. You don't always, myself. you're not very successful at it every day, right? Yeah. There are days when your mind is racing and you simply can't. And there are days when you try and you make it. And then yeah. there are days when it comes so easily to you. So like everything else, it's um, it's an everyday challenge. Yeah. You're doing it on a daily basis? Yoga? Yoga? No? I, I meditate almost every day, right okay. before I go to sleep. Um, I, at least I try to. Uh, I do yoga Yeah. a few days of the week and yeah there are some months where I do more yoga than other months <laughs> but yeah I try to I try to you know weave it into my everyday practice so two years ago you had this TED talk mm -hmm. the seven ways to make a conversation with almost anyone yeah why did you choose this title what did you find that this is a story worth sharing to other people Did you find there was something lacking in the society? Did you find No, it wasn't really about what was lacking <coughs> in society, you know, Daniel. It was um, when I sat down and I thought, what, okay, so what, what is TED about? 
TED is about sharing one great idea that you have, right? Yeah. It's about taking your one big life lesson and putting it out there in the universe so that it can help other people through their journeys and and you know maybe help fill in a gap that they find in their own in their own journeys. And I thought about what is it that what is the one thing that I'm really good at? Yeah. What what is the one thing that I feel I've been able to you know be better at consistently or the one skill that i can share with others and that was making conversation you mentioned in the talk that you know the very first step was just that simple it's a simple word mm -hmm. very basic very simple, basic simple word yeah and to have a smile your face yeah What was the reaction after this talk? What did you receive some feedback from other people and say, okay, actually I kind of become more open to reach out to people or to just to start a conversation? Great feedback after the TEDx. I really, I mean, I I, did, I wasn't expecting it to be really. I thought it would be like a small yeah. speech and it would it would be all right. And yeah. I prepared quite a lot for it. I remember that. I went. I went in for many, many rehearsals with the team at TEDx, yeah. um, and I enjoyed preparing the piece. And I discussed it with very close friends, and I practiced <coughs> it on a few people before I finally made the the speech on stage and stuff like that. But um, I think the response I got was tremendous. In that same room, as the as the TEDx got over, we had yeah. a small break, and I was overwhelmed by the energy that it had spread in the room. Yeah, and then as it went online, I was just Loan by how popular it got. I didn't. I really didn't expect it to become that <laughs> popular. When it touched 10 million, I, I, I did really check. I was like, Do you think this is some kind of bug on YouTube? Like maybe, maybe they mean a hundred thousand, but they just added a couple of zeros by mistake. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a very important topic, and you mentioned something. The reason behind you mentioned about you know the childhood. We've been told not to st talk to strangers, mm -hmm. which is on one side actually important. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You should yeah, not. No, no. Don't, you don't <laughs> talk to everyone now. It's actually super important. But also we kept this in our DNA, and so he should not talk to a stranger yeah. because yeah. we don't know if there is some fear. Yeah. You know, and I keep remembering this when I saw that video. It's exactly what we teach also when we we, we talk to young students. Mm -hmm. If you talk to someone, a stranger, is your customer, you want to do a customer interview, mm -hmm. you have to come over the fear of talking to a stranger. Mm -hmm. Because we've been told not to talk to a stranger. Yeah. But where does it come from? It comes from your childhood. You've been yeah. told not to talk to someone who you don't know. Yeah. And that prevents you of, actually, as you said, to start a lovely conversation with someone, to learn something new from someone. Yeah. I think this prevents from learning from others so many times. Absolutely. And Imagine this is an important topic, what you mentioned. And that maybe this could be the reason why so many actually... People watched it? Because it's a basic topic, but so important mm -hmm. to know. Yeah. Imagine, imagine all those conversations that you didn't have today. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all those wasted opportunities. I was sitting in the lobby right there next to that security guy. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I should have found out why he was looking so worried. Yeah. You know, um, maybe I should have talked to the cab guy on the way here. You mentioned maybe that in the talk. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I should have had a conversation with a grocery guy who dropped the milk off at the mor in the morning at eight o'clock. Yeah. And it's all these, you, you think about your day and you think, wow, look at all those conversations that I didn't have. Yeah. All those stories that I could have heard. Damn, I should do it again. <laughs> I mean, this listening, the stories is 
you can also learn from them. Oh yeah, so much. You can learn so much. So much. It's not like a waste of time. But many people, I don't want to talk to people, etc., etc. Mm. It's actually just exchanging thoughts. Yeah. Stories. Yeah. As two human beings. Exactly. As two human beings with no sense of power or hierarchy or uh, higher or lower or bigger or smaller, you know, where the energy flow is is equal in both directions. That's fascinating yeah. about conversations. You mentioned once live in the present, mm -hmm. spend less money, spend more time. Yeah. <laughs> on what? On what should? Uh, what would you recommend to spend more time? Um, I think spend more time. Doing things and being with people who don't make you want to check what you, what's happening on your phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's really that simple. Yeah. It's really that simple. You know, when you, when you forget where your phone is for hours on end, whatever you're doing at that Love time, it. that's the thing you should be doing for the rest of your life. <laughs> Love it. That's actually brilliant. I really love that. Um, <laughs> because you actually emerge yourself into a topic which you are in the flow. Yeah. On one. That's all you want to do, right? Exactly. This is all you be do. in a meditative. What is meditation? What is being in a meditative space? It is being in a place where that out outside of that thing, nothing else exists. You know, when you're when you're whether it's when you're on stage or whether it's reading a book, or whether it's it's when you're doing yoga, whether it's when you're running, and you're just counting your breath as your your foot pounds the earth. That's what we crave for. We crave for things that make us feel like this is meditation. Yeah. Like nothing else exists except this, whether it's being in love or being with someone you love very much, you know, whether it's holding someone's hand, whether it's looking at the stars. When you lose track of time, that it is in that timelessness that you, you know, meditation exists. That 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 is where love exists. Lovely. <laughs> I think I started this um Many people actually started with us. It's kind of a movement online as well. Like you do your sport without listening to music. Yeah. You're literally listening to your breath. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to yeah. those footsteps. Yeah. Listening to the surroundings. Yeah. And when you do that, you realize that you explore the surrounding in a complete different angle. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Have oh, you yes. ever done? Absolutely. Without music? Absolutely. 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 Because we, we've been told, you know, with listening to music, you know, yeah. do your, Keep put your beats up and then boom, boom, boom. <laughs> but you completely forget where you are. Yeah. Have you ever, you, you did this oh, Yes, right? I've done that before and I really love doing it. It's one of the other amazing things I love about yoga is just being and listening to my breath as I go through those sequences. Yeah. I, when I run as well, I, I enjoy not listening to music. I enjoy just listening to my breath. And counting one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, as we go along. Really? I love it. I love it. I love it. It's, it's addictive, you know, after a point, yeah. you almost, like, no matter what else you're doing, you're always doing that in your <laughs> mind. <laughs> it's like, there's a part of you that's always keeping pace, like, like a, like a... Unconsciously. Yeah, unconsciously, yeah, yeah. like a rhythm. Someone told me once, he, what he's doing during long distance runs is he's trying to build something. So he has some, a project in mind. Mm -hmm. By the end of the run, he has built it. It's wow. like kind of a tower, you know, level by level. Yeah. If it's a project or whatever, by the end of the run, he has it. He That's amazing. It. That's a great it's idea. It's actually interesting, it. interesting to, th to know what people think when they run. Yeah. 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 Like from the beginning yeah. to the yeah. end. Yeah. The end goal is something to have something in the end. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> interesting what goes in people's mind when Absolutely. they run. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, chapter three. Yeah. Covering fitness, starting here in Dubai. Mm hmm Night shift, morning shift, in a city where you didn't know anyone in the first place. Yeah. Ten years now in Dubai. 
how would you summarize that chapter? It's I kind of a challenge itself to summarize yeah. it in this specific So if the, first, if the first 10 years were about finding words and the next 10 years were about listening to stories, yeah. and then the next, the following 10 years were about telling stories. Telling stories. Yeah. It's actually very basically what you did yeah. telling stories I was telling stories yeah whether it was my own or someone else's or teaching other people to tell stories that's what I was doing I was telling stories what's your next chapter oh, I, I mean no I mean <laughs> 31 there's still one year for the, yeah. next, <laughs> for the next chapter but what is your next chapter about I don't know I don't know I really don't know I'm at a point right now where I, I have no idea what next year I'll be doing at this time but you must have some specific goals where you're driving because mm. I, I keep seeing this kind of pattern I'm finding words I'm listening to stories I'm telling stories are you creating yeah. stories maybe 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 this is when I start to create stories maybe now is when we create the one big story I'll spend the next 10 years writing it and then I'll spend the following 10 years telling it <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes and, the circle again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the 10 years after that, I just won't say anything. I'll be quiet for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> It's like collecting stories, literally. Collecting, collecting, collecting stories in order stories, to write them again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about fitness or when it comes to that? Is that is, do you have a specific goal for that mm. in the next few years? Um, I've, no, I think... Uh, so I'm going for this lovely trek to Kashmir um, in, in the next couple of days. So, you know, mid-August I'll be in Kashmir and I'm really looking forward to that because yeah. it's like, I think, 86 kilometers of trekking through the Himalayas and I'm really looking forward to that experience. 86 months? 86 kilometers. Kilometers. Yeah. Kilometers. So that's through the Himalayas and it'll be the first time I would have done a trek that long. So, yeah, maybe that'll be the beginning of something. I don't know. I only have that much vision. I can only see, like, my peripheral vision is only that much. <laughs> like, I can't but see beyond that point. It's actually <laughs> useful as well because you more live in the present, yeah. right? You yeah. not just think about what you're going to do in one, two, three years. And you completely yeah. close the present. Yeah. I don't know. I really, I honestly can. I can cross my heart and tell you that I have absolutely no idea where I will be a year from now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> But that, that gives you the energy to live in the moment and just do... I just know what I want to do next. Like, yes. I know what I want to do next fitness-wise. I, I know what I want to do next. I, want, I know what book I want to read next. Like, yes. I, I don't know what book I want to read 10 years <laughs> yes, <obviously>. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Awesome. Um, last chapter, telling stories. Mm -hmm. So, in each book, there is a copyright section as well. Yeah. A copyright section about you should not copy that, you should not copy that. Yeah. Are there any parts in your life where you tell other people, say, don't copy that? That's not a good For idea. For my life, yeah. Yeah, yeah don't, better don't do that because it's a very stupid thing. I did, don't <laughs> copy it, you know? Don't copy so that. a copyright section in your own book will say, okay, I've done this, try not to do that or try to do it differently. Mm, I wouldn't say don't do that because I think that. You know, you have to arrive at that place in life having made that mistake or having made that decision. Unless you go through that, you will not be in that place, you, you know. So you have to go for that. You, you have to go through that. You have to do the mistakes. Yeah. You, you do. I mean, even if you don't call it a mistake, you have to go through that life experience yeah. to arrive at that conclusion. Or even experience it. Or, or experience yeah. it. Or even maybe that difficult situation led you to another beautiful place. Yeah. You know, so I can't say that I regret any decisions I've made, but I've learned things in the last 
you know 31 short years <laughs> of my <laughs> life like um i think i've learned quite late in life to say no to things that i don't want to do and to be to to pick and choose how i spend my time and yeah. to be to really treat my time preciously and to prioritize yourself yeah to prioritize to prioritize what i want to do with that time whether it's you know prioritizing myself for mm-hmm. the people i love or yeah. you know the people i want to spend time with but to be able to say that no i'm sorry this this doesn't work for me so you carry on yeah and this this part i'm going to not be part of yeah. or this particular project doesn't really interest me or i know you're really keen to have me but i, I don't really feel like it today yeah i think this is also comes down to knowing yourself where you, what you prioritize yeah and what you want to do what you want to do yeah and then because on a daily basis you get obviously you know in a uh, new case also 80% you get a lot of requests as well yeah. and you you can be overwhelmed very easily it yeah and and you feel this so need just, to be everywhere and yeah. do everything and you know be the headlining act of every single yeah. show that there is but sometimes it's okay it's okay to just sit in the audience and watch someone else's show and sometimes cool. sometimes less is more less is oh less is always more it's always more <laughs> less is always more. sometimes only three or four hours in the morning yeah radio presenting covering the whole day <laughs> <laughs> um copyright section um difficult decisions when i look into the end uh, the end part of the book mm mm-hmm. and i close the chapter yeah close the book literally what do i see on the cover back side front side what kind of cover do i see there mm. do i see you in front of a mic do no no i see you <laughs> on a yoga mat i don't what do i see um what I'd, do i see on the cover this is such a great question I think uh So let, imagine like I go in the library and I see from far away you what, What's the what book cover? From, yeah, what what's the book cover? I think it would be uh I think it would be hold, hold the holding of hands. I think it would be the holding of hands. I think it's a very powerful thing. It's okay. a very powerful gesture that you know two people just holding hands and that says so much, right? It's about it's about the the coming together of two stories so when two stories two hands two yeah, people coming together connecting yeah connecting connecting people isn't that always wherever you go in the world that sign of two hands coming together always means connection it's, it means creating connection isn't that the logo of nokia is it yeah two hands coming together oh my god and and and, oh, and, no. and the patch that are connecting people <laughs> seriously i never go, even realized go that go nokia say connecting people and oh see the logo god. is coming two hands coming together and Nokia I know for connecting that. people you should work for Nokia yeah i should <laughs> or maybe you have a Nokia you used to be a Nokia fan i used to be yeah, a Nokia yeah. user many many or many years it. ago it's like connecting people yeah, yeah, and you I, see obviously this hand on this old i don't know if you had a yeah. Nokia phone obviously even on the black white screen yeah, yeah, there's yeah. two hands two hands together. coming together connecting i people. never realized that <laughs> Gosh, connecting people. Sponsored connecting by people. Nokia. Sponsored uh, by Nokia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what would be the book t- title? Be. I was talking to a friend the other day and I was thinking about <laughs> really? it after, after our conversation, yeah. Really? And oh. I said, I think my book should be called In Search of Words. In Search of Words. I think it's got a nice ring to it and four word titles work because they fit nicely on a cover. It's got a nice ring to it. in search of words shortlisted for the booker prize 
interesting. You see, it's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about words. It's about all about stories. I like that. I mean, yeah. I like that you actually have this kind of red line, what you mentioned, you know, it is connected with yeah. finding, listening, telling. Yeah. And then the book cover is about in search of words. Yeah. And, and also the thank you note about surrounding yourself as people who can Help you find help you the find words. Find, find words. So what yeah. you say as a summary, mm -hmm. the most important when you say, let's say, young people, mm -hmm. give advice to young people. What is that most important advice to young people? Is it about surround yourself with people who can give you the right words? Yeah, in I the think toughest times. Yeah, right? yeah. I think it's about equipping yourself with vocabulary. I don't mean that literally. I don't mean that by like, you know, go find a dictionary and learn up a thousand words a day. No, I mean. Let your life be filled, you know, let your daily effort be to, to create a vocabulary that you will spend, that, that you will, you, you know, how, how do I put this? Um, as you go through life, whether it's through experiences or whether it's through skills or whether it's through networks and connections and people and building relationships, find, find, a, voc find a dictionary full of experiences that you can use to tell your story in the future. So choose the words that you put into your vocabulary carefully, but build a large and colorful vocabulary. A dictionary of experiences. Yeah, dictionary of experiences. Brilliant, actually, summary. <laughs> you can, I can imagine a lot of pictures of this, like a full of box, you're literally a box, you know, a yeah. box full of words. Yeah. But these are also memories. Yeah, and they're each memories, memory. they're experiences. Exactly. And it's only when you build your vocabulary that you'll be able to tell your own story, right? Yes. So as, as a young person, Don't be so worried about how your story is going to turn out. Just find the words first. Find words you like. Find, find experiences you like. Find people you like. Find relationships that excite you. Find, find things that make your heart beat faster. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then let the story tell itself. I love that. You should become a storyteller. You think? Yeah. <laughs> you think? I think maybe. I think it's next all about storytelling. Years, no? I mean, it's talk, speaking, writing, listening. It's all yeah. about one. Yeah. See, that's my red thread. Yeah, that's my red thread. I mean, it reminds me of one of the, um, uh, I don't know if you know the TED talk, um, Julian Treasure. Uh -huh. Do you know him? He, he's a world famous about how to listen to a story. Uh -huh. So the, the key to respond to someone is first to learn the skill of listening. Yeah. And he wrote, had this amazing TED talk, like how to speak so that people want to listen. Mm -hmm. And I think this is also something very important that we first need to learn to listen before we come before up with an opinion. We speak. Before we speak. And that's a, a skill by itself. Yeah. Lovely. Brilliant. Malvika, where can we find more information about you? Where can I? If people <laughs> say, oh, I really want to build my dictionary now. Write to me. Write to me. <laughs> how, where, where, how can they find you? Where can they find you? Um, I think you should be able to find me on, on Instagram and Facebook and all the other social media platforms. I'm not on LinkedIn. Can you believe? I found this out. Yeah. It's a huge pain. Because usually LinkedIn is my first point. Of like, yeah. Okay. Because these are the information I can find. Ah, oh, the, so the, the, the school where they went, education. I'm like, I can't find her. What's going on? <laughs> I think it's because I work in an industry where people are hired on Snapchat, not LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, maybe that's why. But um, no, Facebook, Instagram is usually where you will find me or you can write to me at malvikavaradhan at gmail.com. Lovely. Yeah. And then you're on Snapchat as well? No, I'm not. No, no. I was like, okay. Oh. <laughs> Thank God you don't have dog filter photographs of me out there in the world. <laughs> I tried one Snapchat and I was like, I just feel it's just too old. It just doesn't work. I just feel like really old. I mean, is it just me? me? Too, I was me like, too. oh my God, I feel really old. 
is it just me or is it like I feel like 90 years old was trying the latest technology know, like it just doesn't work with me sad isn't it yeah yeah but technology technology is moving so fast <laughs> but is. words always stay the same yeah i hope so i hope so yeah. i hope so brilliant <laughs> awesome i want to wrap up now thank Thanks. you so much daniel it was such a pleasure such a pleasure thank i think you. i learned a lot also because i'm a radio presenter i think yeah That energy you're transferring on a daily basis mm-hmm. is the energy you're putting in your own chapters as well. And I feel like this kind of creating stories uh-huh. is kind of a summary of many other people's life as well. They yeah. have stories to share. They, They just don't know share. yet. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I look back in life, I don't know, I haven't done anything, I'm boring. And no, no. Oh my God, you can turn a boring life into an amazing story. Yeah. Because you have achieved so much. Nobody's life, is, everybody's exactly. life is, you know, is a story worth telling. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Malika, <laughs> for coming. It was a pleasure. <laughs> It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks. <laughs> you take care. Thanks. All right, that's it. A talk which can't fit better into this podcast book format. When was the last time you started a conversation with strangers? Well, for sure, on my side, it's been ages. Maybe you lost the interest of knowing each other, or we live in a society which more focuses on yourself than on others. Either way, definitely food for thought. So folks, who else do you want to hear? Leave some comments. What did you like most on this podcast? Which chapters of other entrepreneurs, athletes, innovators, or change makers do you want to hear in the future? Leave some comments or drop me a message on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at bindanielludwig. For the folks out there, just a quick update. In the next few weeks, all podcasts will be uploaded on my website with each recording split in highlights. You can call it quotes, which are a great summary of each long conversation. Like a summary for everyone to get a brief, inspiring and motivational boost while listening to the whole recording throughout the week. During the commute, at home or even during sport. At least that's what I usually do. Long podcasts are made for long-distance runs. Enduring sports, where a two-hour conversation is filled with a two-hour run. But of course, you can also apply this to a commute. Listening and learning from others while exercising. That's all about what I'm doing. All right, look forward to your replies on social media. Just never forget, never give up, always look up. I see you next time.